0: Thanks for listening. Today, I had the opportunity to sit down with my friend and fellow dragon boat paddler, Deb Germanson. Deb is a 13-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma at the age of 41. She talked a lot about her treatment, losing her husband in the middle of this, and then struggling with self-image and dating afterwards. Take a listen into her story. It's sure to inspire. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12 year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Deb, and Deb is a 13-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma at the age of 41, Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about your breast cancer journey, and I'd like to hear a little bit about how you found your lump.
1: Okay, so my story starts with, it's funny, because I was actually at the Phoenix Open that year, and it had been a long day. I went home, I was tired, and I felt a lump. I actually had an itch, and I went right to that itch, and there was this hard pea-sized lump, and I thought, that's not normal. So I went out to my living room, and I said to my husband, okay, all jokes aside, I need you to feel this. (laughs) And he felt it, and he said, yeah, you need to have that checked.
0: Okay, so you were just, you just kind of felt it? Just
1: felt it, and it felt exactly like what they say, a very hard pea-sized, like... Lump. And it was just random. It was like random. You, random. Just like you weren't... I wasn't... Ex- no. Doing it, anything. I was Like you just kind of no. touched a certain yeah, area. Yeah. Literally, like, I had an itch right there. I always say to myself, well, maybe God told me to itch that part yeah. right there because then I itched it and I felt it right at that spot and I thought, that's not normal. That's so crazy. Yeah. It was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. Because I feel like many times... You know, people are either, like, lying down or somebody else is touching or right. whatever. But to have an itch and to and just kind of randomly, like, in that particular area.
1: Exactly. That exact that. spot.
0: That is just crazy.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so from there, I'm assuming that you had a conversation.
1: Yes. Had a conversation. Uh, went to my um, gynecologist. Then on to... Um, Get it scanned. They did a mammogram and then they did an ultrasound. And the ultrasound, the doctor said, "Well, I need you to go get a biopsy when we see something like this." And I point blank said to her, "Well, what is it you think you see?" Yeah. And, and she said, "It looks like cancer." Oh, she did tell she you. She did that? tell me that. Oh, wow. I point blank asked her, huh. and she did tell me that. And this was at one of the Smile Centers. And okay. I got I got to the dressing room and almost got completely dressed before I completely Yeah you know started collapsing in tears. And were as you I was there by yourself or I was you there were, by myself oh, because I just geez. expected to just get a scan and think, oh, you right, know, right. they'll probably call me or whatever. But I think because I point blank aster. And um, as I left I was trying to hide my face because I was crying and right. I didn't want the women in the waiting room to see me and for them to get scared.
0: Aww. So I just
1: left and then called my husband on the way home and he met me there and Right. We went from there.
0: So were you getting mammograms before then? I mean you were forty one. So- I was
1: and and the interesting thing is and this is something I think that possibly needs to be changed is at thirty five I had a baseline. Okay. And the baseline reading the doctor took over 45 minutes to read, and they said, nope, you're fine. Come back when you're 40. Well, back then, they had giant x-ray scan you know, x-rays that they would give you the films, and I still had it. When I saw where my cancer was, and I pinpointed it against the old x-ray, it was the exact same spot that they had questioned when I was 35. Oh wow, and I don't, I don't know. You know, I didn't know where to go with that. I just knew that I thought, wow, that's the exact spot that they were. That's looking crazy. At. I mean, I could have laid them over each other, and it would have been right. pretty much the same spot. I have the chills, first of all. Yeah, um,
0: to think about that. But why would you? Why would you be getting a baseline at 35?
1: I, I don't know. I had no family history. I had seen um, this one particular gynecologist. I'd only seen her a couple times. She suggested it, so I did it. Okay. Um, And that was it. I mean, it wasn't... I don't know why she suggested it. I think she thought maybe, there, maybe we needed to be more proactive at a younger age. Okay. But... Um, Maybe she was on the cutting edge of Maybe something. Maybe she was on the cut of, yeah, and that's <laughs> going why. against the
0: recommendations, going against the grain the on grains. all that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But so they pinpointed something, but then never.
1: They uh, they said that they felt that I had really dense breasts and that it was probably nothing like a calcification.
0: But they didn't because take the I was initiative. so
1: young. It was. You know, oh, it's probably just a calcification. You're too young.
0: Okay. Well, probably just calcification. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really help. Right. Exactly.
1: Um, you know. And of course, you know, I was naive to all that at that point. I was 35. I was thinking, you know, I'm healthy. I ran. I no family history. No family history whatsoever. So, you know, you don't right. think it's ever going to happen to you. So, wow. Oh my gosh. So then
0: so then they go they do the scans. Mm-hmm. And they tell you what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so kind of what happens after that? Um,
1: there was the... Um, you mean the, when I was actually diagnosed? Did you... Yeah. Well, did you then have... Um, did you do a biopsy after that? They, they did do a needle core biopsy. Okay. And to find out what exactly, what stage it was... Um, and then, of course, during the surgery is when they did the lymph nodes under my arm. They removed seven there. Those were all negative. Um, but that's pretty much where that started. Um, the It happened so quick. Like I said, I found the lump February 8th, March 22nd. I was having the double mastectomy. Okay. Um, so it happened very, very fast. Yeah. And didn't have a lot of time to really think...
0: Process it. Process it, mm-hmm. really. You know, Absolutely.
1: I saw an oncologist, a breast surgeon, and then there's your schedule coming right. in. and <laughs> Yeah, that's it, just, it. It's like a whirlwind.
0: It like, is, it's it a just whirlwind. totally takes you by surprise. Exactly. There's no time to even think about it. It's just go, 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 go. Exactly. So I'm kind of curious in terms of, so when you were diagnosed, I mean, at this point, you've gone in for that scan. You're mm-hmm. thinking at this, you know, you're, already been told we're looking for cancer Mm -hmm. and so did that kind of mentally prepare you for when you were actually told it was cancer or did it kind of still surprise you and kind of take your breath away and you know what was your reaction then I think
1: the day that I came home from that scan when I asked the doctor is what you see cancer I think at that moment I knew it was Okay. Even though my husband kept saying we don't know for sure yet, we want to see the everything else and all the results. You have to see the breast surgeon. I kind of just knew deep down in my heart that that it was. I didn't need any more clarification. Yes, it was great for you know it was not great, but it was good when my doctor did say yes. Right. This is what you have, and this is now these are your options. Um, but I just had a feeling. I just knew. Yeah. Okay. So did it, do you feel like it prepared you a little bit? A more? little bit. Okay. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. And then, so you didn't have a family history. Oh. Did they request for you to get genetic
1: testing or? They did. They asked me if I would. Um, again, my insurance covered it. So I was. As they should. <laughs> I As they should. And I went ahead and did it. And even though I don't have children, you know, I have nieces and sure. I w- want them to be prepared and, and you know, anything I can do to help for them, right. I would do it. So I did do it. And? Negative. Negative. Okay. No family history, no BRCA. I exercised. I had just finished a half marathon. I had done two full marathons. I was a non-smoker. Right. You know, I thought I did everything right. We usually do a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind and of comes out of nowhere. And that's
1: the the big thing I think that women need to know is you need to be proactive. I mean, at thirty five, if I'd have known that right. I would have insisted on an ultrasound instead of just a mammogram. Right. You know, but back then they didn't do that. Right. Yeah. I you mean that's ha- why I was kinda of surprised when you said at thirty five you had right. a baseline. Yeah, exactly. That yes. was
0: unheard of then. Absolutely. and especially with no family history. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, there are people that I know who have family histories and they can't get anything. Right. You know, hopefully things are changing now. Hopefully. Because we have a stronger voice. But, right. I mean,
1: that's, you know, like I said, maybe your doctor was just on the cutting edge of I, and something. I, I think so, because she was young. And I think that maybe it was. But, you know, even then, if I had demanded that an ultrasound, it would have required, like, insurance to be right. notified. It been, it's been such... A bunch of red tape just to get yeah. a test done back then. Yeah. But even at that, like, who cares?
0: Like, just, right. just do it. Just do like, it. if you see something, don't take it upon yourself. Exactly. If you don't know with 100%, 100% certainty that it is just a calcification, right? don't take it upon yourself to make that decision. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So you... Did you opt for a bilateral mastectomy? Did you do a lumpectomy? What was your decision for surgery? Well, that's
1: the other fun little side note. I, when I was told um, about the cancer in the left breast, they said when they did the scans and everything, every test under the sun, they said they did see something vague in my right breast and they said now you can just do the left side and then you know 6 months later we'll check again and i said no yeah. you're going to no why why <laughs> you see something so i opted for the double and sure enough there was a cancer oh wow um, very very small stage 1 in the right still yeah yeah so you knew i in just your knew heart of hearts that yeah. just take them both. I'm not going to sit and uh, worry itself is going to cause more. Right. Illness in you. And I didn't want to sit around for six months and go, is it, you know, growing? Yeah. What's happening? Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's,
0: I mean, just to, to, for them to find something or see something and then you know, we'll do one now and then right. you know, six and months later you know, we'll we kind of see what happens with the other. <laughs> yeah. I thought, mm, no, 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 not at all. So then did you opt for reconstruction? What kind of reconstruction did you do?
1: I did. And that was another tricky situation because I couldn't get the reconstruction surgeon lined up at the same time I had my mastectomy. Oh and but they did not want me to wait. So the the plastic surgeon
0: and the hospital didn't have like a relationship together where they their schedules again
1: have... I don't remember how it worked but I had been referred to a specific breast surgeon okay. and a specific plastic surgeon. Okay. And I had met with them both and the schedules for them they couldn't keep okay. get them lined up. So all I knew was I was told you just need to have the mastectomy no matter what. So go ahead and get that done and we'll reconstruct. Well, they, then when my breast surgeon was in there, she was taking her time and she said she had, was looking along the chest wall and noticed a lymph node that I was flipped up above my chest wall, which is unusual. Yeah, You usually have to go underneath it. So she thought, I'll take a little, I'll take that and we'll test it. So... Uh, unbelievably that one was positive and then all the ones under my arm lymph nodes oh, wow. were negative so because of that one lymph node it threw me into a different category staging. and now i have to have radiation right well i haven't had the reconstruction yet so the radiation on oncologists did not want me to wait either so at this point like
0: you don't have any tissue expanders in you're no looking like a delayed reconstruction patient like oh it's yes okay oh
1: yes I always said that I I didn't have no breasts I had negative like literally I was almost concave in a sense because okay. but but they left pockets no big enough nothing was left nothing was spared they didn't
0: oh my so there were no there was no there was pocket no pocket there extra so tissue that when at you, all
1: but they knew you were having reconstruction. They knew, but it was not done. And I I can't go back and question it now. Right. But no, that was not done. Okay. And I knew nothing of that. I knew that I did not know that was an option. Well, and you didn't know you were
0: having radiation. Exactly. So that was kind of unexpected. <clears throat> but I yeah. would still have thought that yeah. they would have left pockets to be able to go back later
1: to put implants in. Yeah, no. Okay. So that started a whole web of of big problems. Yeah. I um, came out of that then going through <clears throat> excuse me, four months of dose dense chemo and then six weeks of five days a week radiation. Right. And by the end of the radiation I was I I I'd say it, as the accumulation of the radiation progressed on my skin, it was like I had third-degree burns. Wow. And I had no breasts. So in order to use my um, fake boobs, as you would call it, the prosthetics, I would have to put an ointment on, put a T-shirt on, put the, breast on, the bra on with the breast implant, pockets in it, and then wear my regular clothes.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And that was just to look normal. Right. Um, But when the so-called, when the skin finally healed, to some extent, my breast surgeon said, okay, let's do the expanders. And that was the most painful process I had felt because my skin was so badly.
0: I can't even imagine quite honestly yeah first of all you don't have the room no now you have radiated tissue yes and we know that radiated tissue is going to shrink and you know obviously if you burned that much Mm -hmm. I mean I can't I cannot imagine how painful yeah
1: it was painful it was I have tried to explain to people it was like I had my nerves were firing and like sharp pains constantly going through them as if every time the tissue got expanded a little bit more it was extremely painful um so did you let me ask this question did you do radiation on both sides or did they do just radiation? the left
0: side okay so even though they found kind of that one singular lymph node
1: that was on the chest wall they only did they still did it the left on, side yeah they did it on the left side because that's where the lymph node it was on the left okay. side of the chest wall. Got it. Flipped okay. up. And so that's why they did it over there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I went through. I, I So they still put tissue expanders in? They did. it was probably seven months later before okay. I was able to even have the tissue right. expanders done. And then that was a slow process because the doctor wanted to make sure that we didn't, you know, the skin was already yeah. so... So weak. Right. That you don't want. The she, last
0: thing you want is to have a tissue expander in there. And right. And then something happened where it splits open
1: or. Exactly. Anything like that. So we did that. And then we finally were at a point where we said, okay, you're ready for the implants. And the implants went in. And I had a progression of seven different surgeries because the implants would constrict, yeah. because the skin was so, the quality of the skin was gone. There was no stretch to it. There was no nothing. And we had at one point finally had them in there for a little while, the implants, and then I had a large band of muscle underneath that implant on the left side where I was radiated that was so taut that it hurt so bad every time you touched it. And it was just constricted and to the point where I just I couldn't bear it. Right. So we ended up doing then the... So you had implants put in
0: and they just kept kind of... So the way that, that uh, my experience was I had one that was kind of like... What I would describe like a half mini
1: basketball, Mm -hmm. and then the other side looked like a baseball. Right. Mine was. It was, it that yeah. It never sat correctly. Okay. And then I had a large muscle band underneath that literally just felt like somebody had put I don't know like a long tube underneath my breast that the muscle was just so tight it wouldn't release and And just. Was it kind of like? Did it feel
0: like it was sitting higher and yes. tighter? Okay. Yeah, okay. higher
1: and tighter, and there was no, there was no give. There was right. nothing to it. So, okay, that's when we decided to try the good old flap. Christmas. Yes, the lat flap procedure, and ah, uh, yeah, that's another one that I think <laughs> I wish I would have maybe thought more about. But I hear you. It, it is what it is now, and I did the lat flap procedure, and...
0: And for those who don't know what that is, that's where they take off your entire latissimus muscle, which is a very large muscle on your back, and pull it around mm-hmm. to rebuild the breast mound. Mm-hmm. And right. the nerves
1: are connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. so the nerves are connected, and... That was allegedly to give me, you know, more healthy skin to play with, you know, for that. I now have a mole that was on my back is now on my front, which is always interesting. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but no, I always, it's kinda, true. I call it my
0: frack. Yeah. You <laughs> because know, because it's like my,
1: my front and my back. Yeah. It's <laughs> a little of both. It's yeah. the most bizarre thing. But, it is. um, You know, I mean, like I said, it is what it is. It is definitely something that I have to deal with every day when I look in the mirror because it's not pretty. I'll just put it point blank. It's not pretty. Right. And it's a
0: large scar. It's
1: a very large scar on my back and my front. Yes. And I've always said that it's, and I hope women out there who have this, I hope you don't take offense, but it's like my Frankenstein yeah. Side, right. And um. Yeah, I, I'm. I wish I would have probably done a little more research on that. Right. And I I can totally
0: relate to mm-hmm. that. And I think that's really why this podcast is so important mm-hmm. to be able to share with people. You know, because the doctor's responsibility is just to give you the medical information, Correct. and not necessarily how this is going to impact you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the ways that having that latissimus muscle removed have impacted your life? Like what are the
1: restrictions that you have? The strength on that side is completely different than on my right side. I mean, I work out and I run, and no matter what I do, that side does not have the strength that my right side does. Well, and I paddle, and my... I can paddle both sides, but that left side is always more challenging. No matter what I do, I can't get the tone and the definition on that side. It's just always weaker. No mm-hmm. matter what I do, it's weaker. And, um, you know. What about carrying a purse? Carrying <laughs> a purse, I don't do on that side. No, you no. can't. Like, it I just can't. falls right off. Yeah, like I you- do yeah, and Heaven I have that goes over your and shoulder. And I never thought about because I'm right-handed, so I typically throw it on my right. But now I carry a backpack just because it's easier. Right. Because my right shoulder then was getting so worn out. Yes. Yeah. It was. It's the craziest things. Yeah. yeah. I do the cross-body bag
0: at this point or right. a backpack. But exactly. Yeah. For a long time there, I was like, why? Where? Why
1: is it not working? And yeah. It Just would slide right off. Slide right off because you don't have yeah. the muscle and the tone and the yeah. Right. The control. Yeah, it is.
0: There are definitely many more things that come along with having that yes. kind of surgery mm-hmm. than what is provided when you're seeing the plastic surgeon. Exactly. And again, I get it. The plastic surgeon is only there to have the conversation with you in terms of what the options are, but mm-hmm. definitely, you know, do some research and talk to other women. Yes. That have had it. Absolutely. And, you know, would
1: you do it again? Right, and I would not. Right, and I I would not either. No, at at this point, I would. At this point, I've actually contemplating having explants, done because, the pain, and going through seven surgeries to try and fix this. And I've seen doctors, and all of them say that's the best that can be done right now for you. Right, and you know, I would just rather not deal with it at all
0: right yeah and I you know my my doctor said those same words to me and Mm -hmm. you know I certainly appreciate my plastic surgeon he was on the podcast and Mm -hmm. um, you know he he's done a great job yes and one of the things that he repeatedly reminded me of was my job is to make you look as good as I can in your clothes not naked right in your clothes right and so but the struggle is that we see ourselves naked. Exactly. You know, I mean, we don't, we're not running around. I mean, well, no. I don't know, maybe some people well, are. Well, <laughs> maybe some people are. But, you know, we're not typically running around with our shirts off and, right. you know, but it still is, you know, we see ourselves on a daily basis mm-hmm. and the struggle is there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, and I'd love to kind of hear from you, um, it really had a lot to do. It had a huge impact on my self-image and my self-love. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And for me, it was, I think, even twofold, because, you know, I was diagnosed in 2006. And then my husband was diagnosed with cancer in 2008. And he passed in 2011. So then I am now, and of course, he loved me no matter what, Mm -hmm. and he didn't care. But now I've got this to me, horribly disfigured breast and I'm supposed to date? Right. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's not even in the ballpark of my thinking because I think who's going to love me if I don't even like the way I look? Right. And of course, I know that that's, people are going to say, well, that, you know, there's going to be someone who's going to get past, you know, that's not going to be important to them. But it's still me not comfortable with myself. So I'm going to share something with you. (laughs) And I'm, I'm teary eyed.
0: Um, so I didn't realize first of all, that your husband also had cancer Mm -hmm. and I knew he had passed, but I didn't Mm -hmm. realize that he had cancer. Um, and I hear what you're saying about dating and, and yes, there are people that are going to come back and say, but that's not what's important. Mm -hmm. And I will offer this to you, and you can always take it with a grain of salt and, you know, let it go in one ear and out the other. My experience was that I had most of my cancer treatments before I met my husband, including that surgery. And I do remember those exact same words. So when you're saying those words, who is going to love me now? Mm -hmm. That was the first question I had when I got my diagnosis. Yeah. And so... Believe me when I tell you that not every man is going to look at you and think that you're disfigured. For me, meeting my husband was the best thing that ever happened to me. And through our relationship, he taught me that I am worthy of being loved because I'm Melissa and not because of
1: anything else. And that's beautiful, and I appreciate you sharing that because it's... It's, it is hard, as you know, it's hard. And, and I know someday I probably, I will meet someone, but I think I have to be, I have to, that has to grow in me and I have to go that journey and go, okay, you are beautiful no matter what that looks like. And I'm still working on it and that gives me hope. (laughs) It gives well, me a good. lot of hope, good. so yeah. I'm not saying you know go go tomorrow
0: and you know sign up no. for Tinder or, oh, Tinder or anything. No, 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 that's not going <laughs> to You help. know, I just I want to share that because I've been there, and mm-hmm. you know, your words are the exact same words that I've had um, in in my world, in my head, mm-hmm. and so you know if it if it gives you hope, that's all that I can you know offer. Um, it does, but yeah, so. And it, I mean, it's hard. It really is hard to put yourself in a position Mm -hmm. of, you know, meeting somebody new and approaching that topic. Exactly. You know, like, where do you even start? Like, is it the first conversation? Like, do you say that, you know, like, hi, my name is, you know, Melissa and I'm a, you know, like, where do you start Like, where do you
1: even go? I mean, I, I had dated one gentleman seriously after my husband and, at what point do you broach that subject? I mean, you just, like, you don't just, you know, the first dinner go, oh, and by the way, I had cancer and I have a left boob that is not normal looking. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, and then you think, are they going to run? Are they going to be like, you know, they don't care? Or are they thinking, well, I didn't even know we were going to go there. You know, I mean, it's just, right.
0: Yeah, it's a whole lot of things that you it's don't necessarily think about. Yeah. You know. I mean, especially I'm an ima- I'm imagining, you know, obviously being married, you probably weren't thinking this would ever be within yeah. the realm of possibility. No. Not and at so, all. you know, there's so many different complications yes. on top of that, but yeah, yes. I mean, I hear you like,
1: okay, when when do I say something? Right, exactly. You at know, what point appropriate. In, in the relationship do we go there
0: right yeah yeah because I I feel like if I say it sooner you know if you and I say I but you know if you say it sooner you know would that be better because then it's an opportunity like here's the door go ahead you know if you need to leave yes you know see ya yes whereas you know maybe longer you're kind of invested a little bit exactly so
1: yeah that's a hard it's it's a hard one to figure out and And I know with with the guy that I dated for a short time there, the one serious relationship I've had since, um, I did tell him fairly early on. I just wanted him to know. Yeah. Because after a few conversations, I could see where it was going. And so I said, I just want you to know. And he said, that's okay. Okay. Which was great, you know. And it gave me a little relief. But, you know, even though he said that, I still was very insecure about how I looked, right? And yeah, and you know, it's just it's just it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. <laughs> That's what I
0: always say. It's a work in progress. Yes, it
1: is. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it took a it took a long time mm-hmm. for me to be comfortable, you know. At this point now, I just kind of run around with, you know, nothing on and like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it is but Like if is. you're going, you're going. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, whatever. So so as we're kind of wrapping this up, I mean, we've talked a whole lot about, um, you know, some different things and, and I thank you so much for being so open.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the questions I would have for you is um, thinking about, you know, people who might be listening to this. Is there one thing that you would say to them? one tip or one piece of advice that you would give to somebody that, you know, maybe it's somebody that's newly diagnosed, maybe it's a caregiver, maybe it's, um, you know, somebody that's been diagnosed and maybe they've had the same surgery. I mean, is there anything that you could offer to anyone that might be listening from your perspective?
1: Oh, boy, I would just, I think in the perspective of newly diagnosed, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think I was always so fearful of asking because I always thought, well, the doctors know everything. And who am I to ask them? But you know what? It's your body. Mm -hmm. And if you are curious or you have any doubt, if there's any little weird feeling, that's your brain and your heart telling you, ask questions. If you don't feel 100% comfortable either with what they're telling you or with the doctor themselves, get a second opinion, ask questions, ask, you know, if you're going to a breast surgeon for um, reconstruction, ask to see pictures. Yeah. They have notebooks full of pictures. I think just don't be afraid to be an advocate for yourself. Absolutely. And And that's, that's that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. And that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. I think you're right. We just sometimes get into that motion, that groove, and we forget that sometimes doctors make mistakes. Exactly. And they don't always know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we do really have to be our own best advocate. So Absolutely. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this. I know that it's going to help so many other people that are listening and um You know, it's, it's always kind of heartfelt for me to hear the stories of the people that I know, because we don't always get to do that. So thank you.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com.
1: Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.